Before we start this episode, I would like to acknowledge the horribly sad tragedy here in Sydney last week, with a swimmer killed in a shark attack at Malabar, a place at which I have swum many times. Sharks are an ever-present thought for ocean swimmers, and they are one of the topics in today's episode, which was recorded a few weeks before the incident. My sincerest condolences are with Simon's family and friends. Greetings and welcome to the pod. My name is Mark West. Eli Ball is training to swim the English Channel. Butterfly. Yes, you heard that correctly. Butterfly. Butterfly. He is an exceptionally accomplished butterflying ocean swimmer, having completed a plethora of marathon ocean swims, including the 20km Rottnest Island swim, along the way setting the butterfly record. I started, as always, by asking Eli whether he has always been an ocean swimmer. Look, uh... I actually, I was anticipating you might ask me that question. And I'll say this, I, I from a very young age, I, I swam in the ocean a lot. Uh, I was a nipper from, oh, I would have been, I would have joined Narrabeen Beach Nippers in 1992 when I was, when I was eight. Um, and of course, you did the ocean swims then. Back then it was, you know, swimming out past a, an orange boy that, that was probably five metres past the breakers, but, but might as well have been. 10 kilometers past the breakers it seems so far away so so i did a lot of those sorts of swims but look i would have described my swimming until probably my my late 20s as, as more of a i was more of a black lion addict I, I was much more into my pool swimming than my ocean swimming um and it was probably my preferred kind of swimming but but probably since since my late 20s um I, i've i've been much more into the the open water swimming and uh, coming back to Australia, I, I've really, uh, uh, I think as much as anyone can, uh, take into the ocean um, as opposed to the pool where I can. Um, I still, of course, do, do squads and, and whatnot uh, in, in pools when I have to, but um, I've really embraced the ocean swimming, I think, in the last seven or eight years or so. And, and what made you flick to butterfly i mean i understand you you know if you if you were if you're training in squads and doing nippers you probably would have done freestyle or all the, all the various strokes what made you focus on butterfly look i i i butterfly was probably my favorite stroke when i was a kid and sort of as a junior swimmer but uh only ever 50 meters and maybe 100 meters if i was really a glut for punishment um how i got into butterfly in the ocean and just open water butterfly swimming generally was of all things i, I read a magazine article um i forget the, the exact mag which magazine it was um but it was back in england before i came back to australia and it's um the, the article was about somebody who was doing open water butterfly and uh it was this woman who was a self-described non-swimmer before she uh attempted open water butterflying and it really described her journey uh 
learning butterfly, learning how to swim it in open water, uh, explaining how this, how you know swimming a, a kilometer of butterfly is different to swimming 50 meters of butterfly. And it, it's one of those stories I read with interest and it sort of stuck in the back of my mind. And uh, I came back to Australia in, in about mid-2014 and I was at, um, it must have been August or September, I was doing the Manly to Shelley beach swim one afternoon and I got to Shelley Beach and, you know, I turned around and looked out and thought, oh, okay, I'll swim back. And there was a yacht moored sort of about halfway in the bay. And I thought to myself, you know what? Let me give that open water butterfly thing a try. Let's see if I can swim butterfly to that boat. And the boat was probably, you know, 150 metres offshore. And so I did. And I got to the boat and I thought to myself, hey, this is actually not half bad. I'll keep going. And I did. And before I knew it, I was turning the bend, uh, heading around the rocks to head into Manly Beach. And I reached the shore and I realised at that point I basically swam from Shelley to Manly Butterfly. And I felt great. And I thought, well, this is good fun. Um, I'll keep trying this. And I did. And I, I really, from that point onwards, that was in about um, September 2014, I, um, I pretty much just decided that every time I would do an open water swim, I would do a butterfly. And that, that's what I did. Oh, and um, yeah, it's, it's just fun. Yeah. That's so cool. Because so by 2015, you, you did the 10K Vlad swim challenge. So you've gone from just giving it a shot around a 150 meter marker off the beach through to doing 10K in yeah. less than a year. That's, that's amazing. Did, yeah. Yeah. So you obviously have a very efficient yeah. style it must be quite refined, is it? Well, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I, w I wouldn't go that far. I, I wouldn't call it refined. I don't think anybody who's ever seen me swim would call me refined. Uh, certainly not any of the people I swim with in a squad and, and bang their and bang their hands or their wrists <laughs> as I swim past. Um, I, I, it, it's look the way I describe it to people is it's not like I'm not sure how how familiar listeners would be with Olympic butterflies. It's not Jeff Hugel. It's not Michael Phelps. I'm not thundering down the, the, the pool with a, you know, with a stroke rate, um, you know, a high stroke rate. It, it's a very relaxed stroke. And, and, and these are points that all, uh, that, that were all sort of discussed in that uh, article I was telling you about uh, earlier. Um, you, you let your natural buoyancy do a lot of the work. Um, you, you, you take a, you take long strokes, you really emphasize the glide. Um, I breathe, I tend to breathe every stroke as opposed to every second or third stroke that, that one might do in a sprint or in the pool. Um, and uh, you, you keep the two-beat kick. Uh, and uh, you know, over time, my, my stroke has probably become slightly more efficient in that my breathing, I think when I, I look at videos from when I was swimming back in, say, twenty. 2014, 2015, I, uh, I've got a very high breath. I, my, my head really comes high out of the water. But one thing I think I have managed to do over time is to, is to sort of keep my head down to, to minimise the amount of energy I have to expend in order to breathe. Um, so it, it's a slow and it, people don't believe it when I say to them, it's actually a very uh, 10 kilometres of butterfly, uh, unless you're trying to, beat at a particular time, which I've done once or twice, 
10 kilometres of butterfly is actually quite relaxing. And uh, it's quite a a zen experience because unlike freestyle, and I'll say this, I I don't think I could swim 10 kilometres of freestyle. I don't think I could swim five kilometres of freestyle. Um, Because freestyle, you're you're twisting, your body is rotating. You're you're twisting your head from one side to the next. Um, You're not looking forward. it's almost like a washing machine when you're swimming freestyle. I know, you know, if you're, if you're really good at freestyle and you, you enjoy it, you wouldn't describe it that way. But with butterfly, um, every breath I, I get to look up, I look forward. Um, I get this lovely panorama, both eyes, my, 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 the whole mouth, my whole nose, everything comes out of the water. I'm symmetrical the whole time. Um, I never get out thinking, Oh, this arm's really sore or this leg's really sore or this hip's really sore. I'm either sore all over or I'm not sore at all. So it's, it's really a very relaxing experience and um, quite calming at times, to be honest. It does sound like it has some advantages for open water swimming in that looking forward and being able to see everything. How, how do you go in surf or, and even yep. getting through the surf? Look, um, through the surf, uh, one advantage is because I'm looking forward all the time, uh, if, if I'm if I'm doing a, a, an ocean swim that has a beach start and I have to I have to swim through the breakers, um, I can see what's coming, so I know when to to dive under a wave. Um, and I, I, really, I just I, as I said before, I, I, I let my natural buoyancy, I let my natural stroke, my natural rhythm do a lot of the work. Um, so getting out is is fairly easy now. Occasionally, once or twice, I've done a, a difficult swim where the chop is coming straight into my face. And uh, now that can pose a challenge, but I'll do one of two things. Either I'll try to time my, my stroke and my breathing. I'll, I'll get a sense for how the waves are rolling in. And I'll just try to time my stroke so that I'm, I'm, I'm matching the troughs of the wave. So I'm breathing as a, as a trough. Uh, comes over me or I go over a trough uh, or um, if that doesn't work and it's a really a real howler of a day and I've done one or two swims where you start off and it's fantastic and it's smooth and then all of a sudden a, a gale force wind comes across and, and you find yourself breathing in a whole lot of water uh, I, I can if, if necessary I, I have trained myself to breathe to the side swimming butterfly it's not my ideal way to swim but um, I can do it if I need to uh, one thing I always try to do, whether it's in the pool or in the surf, uh, and, and it's something that the stroke allows me to do, I think, is just stay calm and, and stay relaxed as much as you can. And I find that uh, provided you abide by that, um, everything else will tend to take care of itself. And so how do you train for this? You must do some specific butterfly training. Are there, are there coaches out there who are experts in long-distance well, butterfly swimming? Well, if there weren't, there are now. <laughs> my um, look, I I I have done. I did a lot of my early training. I got to the stage where I could swim a five k, um, and also I think uh, the Lake Burley Griffin nine k. I did. I got to the stage where I could swim those. Uh, really, just training on my own, swimming in uh. Uh, in the ocean, uh, doing the, the bold and the beautiful for a while. But when I really wanted to ramp up my training uh, to take on, for example, the South Head Rough Water um, and then eventually uh, the Rottnest Swim, 
I, I joined a, a swim squad in Sydney, um, uh, Vlad Swim, which which I hope many people will be familiar with. And, and Vlad, the head coach there, uh, as well as um, Jay, who is his assistant, uh, are just fantastic swimming coaches and a fantastic swimming coach knows all the strokes. They've adapted some drills for me and um, they will, uh, you know, they will uh, give me attention and uh, focus in on things that I can fix in my stroke, defects, uh, problems that need addressing. Um, uh, I, I, unfortunately, I think I've forced Vlad to, to go, like, go off like a bit of a broken record occasionally focusing on my hips because I think he's right I, I tend to drag my hips a little bit when I swim over longer distances uh, but but there's many things for example the the, the the streamlining of the head and getting my head down when I take a breath that's something that I've worked on over time thanks to Vlad he really sort of helped me preserve a lot of energy doing that um, so you know there, there are various um, uh, drills that I do and um, the other thing as well is when I uh, was really swimming on my own without the benefit of a squad. All I swam was butterfly and I really couldn't be bothered swimming freestyle. Um, but the one thing that meant was that my uh, sort of high threshold cardiovascular work was suffering. And by going into squad, uh, I started doing freestyle again, pushing myself so that, um, uh, you know, I, 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 w I was getting that cardiovascular workout, which, then helps um, with the, the longer distance butterfly because it, it, it is hard to, it's much harder to maintain a, a very a high threshold of performance swimming butterfly over, you know, two or three kilometers over a hard set, whereas you can do it the freestyle, I would say, uh, a bit easier. So, um, you know, it's, it's not just butterfly that I swim in squads, but I also I swim a number of other things. And um, it's... Uh, Probably the best way to describe it is it's a holistic approach um, to how I train. Does anybody else do this butterfly focus? Like, do you have any other, do you have any competitors? Anybody you eyeing off? Well, um, in, in, um, uh, internationally, there's, there's, there's a, there's a few people, um, who, who do it. Um, uh, one bloke, uh, John Batchelder from the U S um, he, he conquered the English channel last year. Uh, 2021, <clears throat> which I, I sort of I, I I I got to sort of watch his tracker as he did it, and sort of followed the updates on Facebook as he did it. Um, uh, simultaneously, being very happy for him, but also a bit jealous because we um, we were actually both supposed to attempt to swim the Channel Butterfly the year earlier in 2020, but of course that got canned for um, for COVID reasons. And uh, he, he was able to rearrange it so that he was able to attempt it last year. And um, he made it. And it was fantastic to see him sitting on the beach in France, sort of looking out over what he'd just done. Um, so there's, there's John. And there, there are other people who have done it over time. Um, probably the most famous um, uh, long-distance butterfly swimmer. Uh, she, she really was the pioneer is Dickie Keith from Canada. Who, um, who who still does a lot of swim training, uh, sorry, still does uh, a lot of uh, swim coaching, particularly for um, um, special needs and um, swimmers with disabilities. Um, Julie Bradshaw, who uh, is the record holder um, 
in uh, for swimming the English Channel Butterfly, and she was at one time, I think she was a secretary of the uh, the Channel Swimming Association. Um, there's a French there's a French man called um, Sylvain, I think it's Estadieu. He, he he swam at Butterfly several years ago. Um, uh, closer to home, um, uh, before I, I'm, I was the second person to swim Butterfly Rottnest. Uh, sorry, swim Rottnest Butterfly. Um, and uh, he, um, the I think it was uh, I think Philip Martin was his name. Uh, there's a there's a very exciting young swimmer um, in Sydney, um, Dean Lane. Um, I don't know if listeners will have heard of him. Um, he, he's done a few. Uh, he he did he did uh, uh, the Bondi to Watson's Bay swim a few years ago um, after I did it. Uh, and, and there's you know the old the old person I see here and there. Oh, another one of, of um, uh, another one, another, another butterfly who um, I don't think uh, I should pass by it, not mentioning uh, is uh, I think it's Phil Bailey. Uh, I've, I've sort of, I'm trying to remember names, um, but there are a few who 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 um, who uh, who do it around the traps. Um, we're an odd bunch. The, uh, the, uh, I think one, one, one person I know is nicknamed us the Butternuts. <laughs> I like that. And, and you mentioned the English Channel before. That was gonna uh, that was gonna be my next question about uh, having signed up for 2020 and then COVID came around. What made you think of uh, the English Channel, and and do you think you'll get over there this year? Um, well, um, I'll take your your second question first. Um, I, I I won't get over this year. Um, I'm not booked in to do it this year. I'm booked in to do it in 2024. Uh, I, I had initially booked in to do it in 2020, and then obviously with COVID, I, I pushed it out. Um, I initially pushed it out to 2022, to this year, but then uh, a few months later, um, my wife and I found out that we were going to be parents, and uh, a, a few months after my son arrived, uh, it very quickly dawned uh, upon me that um, uh, there might have to be a, a reordering <laughs> of priorities for a little while. I also got another child arriving in at the end of... Uh, around March, April this year. So who knows what the future holds? Um, but I've still got, I've got mid 2024 is the, um, is when I'm, I'm set down to, to, to attempt it. Um, it. It was obviously very frustrating um, in 2020. I, I'd reached the stage where I was really, really beginning to peak in my, um, my training. Um, uh, I, I was, my 10 kilometer times had come down by nearly half an hour of the course of several years uh, my cold water acclimatization was was really taking off i was you know, regularly going to 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 plunge pools to, to, to cold plunge pools to sit in them for an hour or filling up the bus with ice to sit in it um, all these really fun things not having warm showers you know really you know excellent exciting things to do um and then mid-march 2020 that all came to a halt um and uh and uh, yeah, well, the, the rest is history. But in terms of why I went to the English Channel, well, um, the, uh, the, the, the squad I, I swim with, um, Vlad Swim, 
Um, Vlad, I, I think it's probably safe to say, is, is one of the premier, if not the premier, open water, long distance um, uh, swimming coaches in Australia, if not the Asia Pacific or even the world. Um, he, he has, I, I couldn't tell you, I don't have enough fingers or toes to, tell, to, to count the number of English Channel swimmers and um, North Channel swimmers and Molokai Channel and you, you name it. Vlad's, somebody in Vlad's squad has done it. Um, and that's, in, in that squad, um, uh, really, it's just a natural progression. You see all of your friends, all of your squad mates going off and doing these amazing things like Rottnest or Catalina or the English Channel or Manhattan. There's a few, few, few crazy, a few crazies who are attempting the Ocean's Seven, and when you're surrounded by by amazing people like that, you, you find yourself putting your hand up. This channel was the natural progression after I, I swam the Rottnest Channel. And the Rottnest, incidentally, you set the the butterfly record in as well. We should we should note that that you're the record holder for that. Well, I'm I'm a record holder out of two, but I'll take it. You still got um, to take it, yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. I've still got to take it. Um, uh, that they, it, it, I mean, it's, it's such an odd record that initially they, uh, for a time, I was listed on on their website or in their their annual book as as the first butterfly crossing, and I I had to contact them and say, look, I'm very flattered, but yeah, I don't think I was first. I, I'm pretty sure somebody did it in 2001. Of course, I know this because <laughs> having done the swim myself, I looked it up before to see if anybody else had been crazy enough to do it. Um, yeah, I, I, look, I was, I was, um, I was very lucky that year. Um, it wasn't the first time I'd attempted the the Rottnest Channel. Um, I attempted the year before, and um, the year before had been a uh, a really bad year current-wise, and a lot of people missed uh, checkpoint times, and so um, basically had to be pulled from the water. And I was one of them. I, I got to the 17-kilometer mark, and I missed a checkpoint, and so I had to get out. But the next year, um, the conditions were magnificent. And I actually think that year, um, I think Solomon Wright set the, the, the overall record. He, he broke the overall record uh, in, a, in a stunning, ridiculously fast time as well. So um, really, it was a, it, the, the conditions were perfect that year. And um, to make it across uh, was, was really quite a euphoric experience. Wow. And you saw a shark too. Just to add to the um, yes, that's, to the, yeah. <laughs> the emotion no, and the <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, well, some people still say I'm the one that ruined the swim for hundreds of people. <laughs> um, it, it, look, I, I did see a shark, and you, when I mentioned to you a moment ago that one of the benefits of swimming butterflies, you can see everything um, because you're not twisting your body. Well, that, that's why. I, that's why I really I think I saw the shark because um, my head was going down, and I. You know, I was looking straight ahead and uh, looking straight ahead and down a bit. And um, I, uh, I saw this thing swimming on the, uh, on the, on the, the bottom of the, um, the seabed because the, you know, it was such a fantastic day. You could see all the way down to the seabed the whole way. And it took me a moment to realize what it was. Um, and uh, it, it, you know, initially I thought this is some sort of submarine, or um, there's a car driving along the bottom of the a bottom, the bottom of the sea. Uh, but it was very big. It was very wide. 
Um, and uh, I, uh, I, uh, I called out to my wife who was on the boat, um, shark, there's a shark in the water. And um, my wife who had been there with me the year before when I'd, I'd failed the swim, simply said to me, stay calm, don't touch the boat, stay in the water. Um, because she knew that if I, um, if I touched the boat, I'd be disqualified and she didn't want me to do anything rash. Um, uh, I should also mention we've been married only three weeks at this point. So <laughs> three weeks into our marriage, my wife is telling me to stay in the water with the great white shark. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah, there was, it was a bit of a blur after that for, for the next little while. Um, I, I remember swimming along for the next few kilometers with my, hiker on one side of me and the boat on the other side of me as, as though that was somehow going to protect me um and you know i saw the shark the important point is the shark didn't see me yeah and um yeah it was quite a it was a it was it was quite a surreal experience and obviously the very disappointing thing about that whole incident was um the decision was made i think i don't know the exact timeline but sometime after uh, we reported seeing the shark um uh, and then, then there was confirmation. Other people saw it as well. Um, a decision was made that they would, they would um, I think what they did was they implemented a, ra- a radius around where, where it had been sighted. And they said everybody in that radius basically has to get out of the water. And that ended a lot of people's swims, unfortunately, which was a terrible thing to happen. Um, having done all that training, I, I know exactly what it's like to have your swim come to an abrupt end. Um, unfortunately, or sorry, uh, fortunately for me, by the time they they made the decision to implement the radius, I had actually swum beyond it. So, the 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 fortunate irony or the unfortunate irony, uh, depending upon where you where you stand, is that the person who had seen the shark, uh, and that event necessitated the ending of a, a number of people's swims. Um, the person who really triggered that wasn't themselves affected, and, and I think a few people were. You know, I, I can understand a few people were quite um, peeved off at that situation. Um, uh, it, it was it was then reported in various media outlets um, across Australia, and it was quite amusing to watch um, the comments on Facebook to many of these news stories um, uh, sort of flourish. And one or two people did, you know, leave messages to the effect of, "Oh, yeah, right, mate." good on you you ruined the swim for everybody else but you keep swimming it was unfortunately it was uh that was simply the way that the the organizers decided that yeah, um not your decision uh, the incident would be dealt with yes exactly it wasn't my decision and i and um a, as i say it, it was otherwise a fantastic day um but for um you know maybe 45 minutes to an hour's worth of panic i, I do remember thinking and it, it's only in retrospect that I realised how absurd my thoughts were at the time, but this happened at around the 12, 13 kilometre mark. I still had eight kilometres to swim, which is you know, a good two and a half, three hours. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I've just got to swim a little bit faster now, <laughs> as though that's going to help me in this situation. Um, and um, there's, a, there's a point in the Rottnest swim where you swim over quite a lot of exposed rocks and that was a very perhaps half an hour of quite uncomfortable swimming as well because you'd be surprised at the number of shark-shaped rocks there are uh, on on the base of the sea uh, 
uh, or the number of shark-shaped rocks that you see on the base of the sea when you've seen an actual shark a few hours before. Wow. <laughs> I do remember hearing that the race had been called off or you know, at least some people had to get out because of a shark, but I didn't realise until today that it was you that put in the shark report. So that's uh, quite a well, claim it to fame. Well, technically it wasn't me who... It was my pilot who put in the shark report. <laughs> sure. And um, I had a fantastic pilot as well. I was very fortunate to have a pilot who actually had, I think, about 10 years' experience, had been a former marshal in the in the uh, the race himself. Um, so he, he was well across the procedures. Um, and he was also well across... You know, he, he encouraged me, like my wife, to stay in the water um, because, and he was blunt with me afterwards. Once we were safe on shore, he said, look, you weren't in trouble. You, you were never in trouble because if you were in trouble, you would never have known it because you wouldn't have seen the shark coming and you would have just been gone. But, um, you know, it, the shark was just in its natural habitat um, doing its thing. Uh, and those are simply the, uh, the realities of ocean water swimming. Yeah. Particularly in Western Australia. Particularly, yeah. And so is that your longest swim? I was thinking of all the training that you must do for the English Channel. You need to log up some long swims and some big kilometres. Yeah. Was that your longest Look, swim? It's it's my longest swim by, by distance. Um, uh, it, it was, I think, officially it's 19.6 k's. My, um, the pilot clocked me in at just over 20 with currents and whatnot. So... It's my longest in terms of distance. It's not my longest in terms of time. Um, I um, The year before the Rottnest swim with the difficult currents, I was in the water for nine and a bit hours. Um, I've also done, it's probably not, it's certainly not the hardest swim I've ever done, but the hardest swim I've ever done would be um, uh, my, uh, I did an English Channel qualifying swim back in 2019 uh, down in Melbourne swimming around in uh, around the, the Brighton Bards or just outside the Brighton Bards around the um, where all the boats are moored. Um, and that was eight hours in Melbourne in uh, April. So cold. We started in the dark and uh, the conditions were very messy. So it was also a, a very mentally difficult swim because we, 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 we our course kept changing to, to accommodate the, um, the deteriorating conditions. Um, so... Yeah, those, those three swims, the two Rottnest swims and the swim in Melbourne, probably my, my longest and most difficult swims um, uh, to date at least. Um, I'm hoping to do some longer swims, obviously, including the English Channel. Um, but we'll see what the future holds. it's hard to find cold water around Sydney or during summer anyway maybe in, in winter it gets cold enough but it must be hard to find cold yeah, water for English, yeah. tra- English Channel training well there, there are a few there are a few spots and and one thing that as I mentioned my coach Vlad and, and Vlad swim uh, are very good at is identifying good training swims um, Brighton La Sands can get very cold uh, during the uh, during the winter months in Sydney. Um, Manly Dam as well can get quite cold. And look, Sydney being Sydney, sometimes um, sometimes uh, nature will offer you up a gift and give you a particularly uh, chilly swim when you weren't expecting one. And 
Other times uh, give you a particularly warm swim when you weren't expecting one. But um, you, you, you can make do. And, and one thing that I must say I, I haven't attempted and I, I have no strong desire to attempt at the moment, but um, in 2020 when, when COVID saw the... Uh, the cancellation of a number of a number of there were there were a number of us who were, who were supposed to attempt the English Channel in my squad that year. Um, some of them went on to do it, um, others haven't. Um, but one of the um, uh, one of the substitute experiences that some people discovered was the the Ice Mile Challenge, uh, and, yes. and for that they they were they were going off into the Blue Mountains to find their five degree lakes. And I should say I have absolutely no desire. <laughs> <laughs> to to ever attempt that it it sounds it sounds uh, I must say I would I would sooner swim the English Channel butterfly than I would swim a, 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 a butterfly ice mile, which which in any event I should say has I wouldn't even be the first because I know somebody who has done it. Uh, there's a there's a there's a Hong Kong swimmer based in the Czech Republic who's done it. So um, why, why even bother? It's been done. And why put myself through that? <laughs> Yes, that's another. That's a whole other level, isn't it? So, what what do you think is next for you? Uh, once I get my my training back up to speed, um, there's a number. There are a number of local swims. Um, had it not been uh, for uh, COVID twenty twenty one shutting everything down again, um, I had hoped uh, at the start of this year to to possibly attempt the Derwent, but um, and I initially made a booking to to do that, but um, with uh, training shut down again because of uh, or at least my squad training shut down because of um because of covid that that um that aspiration very quickly disappeared as almost as soon as it, it grew so there, there's the derwent um look i also grew up on the on the northern beaches of sydney and and the other leg of the uh australian triple crown is the palm beach to shelly swim which i'd very much like to try i'd like to give it a shot um um uh Various uh, circumstances and predicaments have um, gotten in the way of me attempting it in previous years. COVID was one um, a few years ago. Um, so I'd like to give that a shot. Um, I'm not at this point, I think, in my training at the moment with um, uh, the combination of both COVID as well as um, the, uh, the the adjustments to one's sleeping patterns that has, <laughs> one has to make when one has a, a one-year-old son. I'm not at the stage, I think, where I can attempt it this year, but um, I'd very much like to try it next year, or if not, then it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good preparation for the English Channel in 2024. So there are a number of swims, but for now, I'm I'm more than happy to just keep the arms rolling over when I can. Um, happy to do the odd 2k, 5k, and with any luck, I'll be back doing the Vlad Swim 10k. Uh, Christmas this year, I, I did the 5K last year, which was um, which was a welcome change, a far more relaxing experience. <laughs> well, you're no slouch either. I mean, your times are, are pretty quick. You, know, you compare pretty well to the freestylers as well. Yeah, look, it's um, I don't push myself up to the front of the pack. I don't think I could, even if I wanted to. But it's 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 nice. Uh, the great thing about the open water swimming community is it takes all comers, and there are people like. There are, as I've said, there are people I train with who are, you know, triple crowners, um, who have, you know, done amazing things, uh, who 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 swim in these, you know, these full length body suits that are quick, and you know, uh, are able to, um, uh, you know, punch out incredible times. But there are other people I swim with who 
cruise along and are there to have a good time. And I have absolutely no problem sw- swimming with them. Um, in fact, I, I think I prefer swimming with them. Yeah, well, I mean, I think for this sort of endurance work that you're doing as well, I mean, that's the you're going to be in the water for a long time. I think that's probably the sort of attitude you need for the most part. I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, uh, I, I, uh, I think one has to resign oneself to, to simply being in an environment for a long period of time and, and, and just getting used to, as I think I've been able to do over the last few years, just sending your mind somewhere else while your body does all the work. Do you find it meditating when you're not looking at sharks? Uh, oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I mean, it's it's. I, I would say I I have I have maybe four four states of mind when I'm swimming, and they often are tied very neatly to how well I've managed to do my nutrition. Um, if I've botched my nutrition, the state of mind is one of anger and frustration because your, your mind. Your mind begins to, I don't know the exact science of it, but I think when your body starts um, shutting down because it hasn't had enough food, the brain and the mind get get very annoyed by that. Um, that's one. Um, uh, other times I'll, I'll, you know, if I'm chasing a time, like I remember a few years ago when I was, um, when I was uh, swimming along trying to crack, um, crack, uh, a new record, a new PB for my butterfly time. I, I remember just plowing along thinking I've just got to go faster. I've got to go harder. I've got to go harder. Um, uh, there are other times when I, um, I use the time to, to, to think about things I need to think about, whether it's, uh, work or something else. Uh, and other times, um, yeah, Zen or meditation. There are times where I've, I've done a swim, a five or a 10 K and I don't remember it. I, I get out and I remember lap one and I maybe remember the last 500 metres, but it kind of is just all a blur, the rest of it, because I've just been cruising along and you know, zoning out. Oh, that's perfect. What's your nutrition generally like and what, what do you like to eat during the very long swims? The, my, my, my go-to, my, my favourite drink to have when I swim is um, I get some... Uh, I get some high five, um, high five uh, nutrition uh, tabs, which have the, the, the electrolytes in them. Usually I get a, a neutral flavored one that has no flavor. Um, and I'll mix that in with some uh, Bickford's ginger cordial. Okay, um, yep. Which, yeah, which uh, I, I was very scientific about the approach I took to, to deciding upon Bickford's ginger cordial. I, I basically went to the, um, the, the supermarket aisle where all the cordials were and I looked at all the labels to see which one had the most calories per 100 mils <laughs> and it was the ginger one that had the most and it works out quite well as well because ginger, uh, I mean, it's uh, I, I find at least, and I think others do too, ginger has, uh, I think, some properties that, that help battle seasickness yep, and feeling right. ill in the water and um, I, I definitely think Maybe it's a placebo effect. Maybe it's an it's an actual effect. I don't know. Whatever it is, I I definitely feel or have noticed a change drinking that. 
And the other good thing about the ginger is it, it, it's got quite a strong spicy flavour. So if your mouth has been in the water for three or four hours, um, you um, it, it really does help to sort of keep your mouth feeling fresh. Um, and it gives you something to look forward to. So I'll have that, but I'll also mix it up. Um, I'll sometimes have um, Staminade. That's uh, another one. Uh, and... Uh, you know, depending on how long I'm swimming, if it's only a 5k, I might just have a, a quick 300 mil shot of the ginger cordial. But if it's a 10k, I'll, I'll mix it up with a few other things. Um, so um, yeah, that, that's what I that's what I, I tend to, to, to drink on the swims. I I still say to this day that the, the most the sweet the sweetest most refreshing drink I've ever had in my life was one of the one of the tips that Vlad, um, my coach, um, suggested. Um, when I did Rotnest, one of the drinks he suggested was, he said, look, around the, if you're beginning to feel tired, around the 17 or 18K mark, a Coke is nice. Yeah. Because it's it's sugary, it's got caffeine in it. Um, he didn't mention that it should be flat. Um, <laughs> or maybe he didn't, I didn't hear it. So I had, a, I had a fizzy Coke. But I've got to tell you, when you've been swimming for, I think it was at that stage, nearly seven hours, and it's the sun is beaming down, and you've been chased by a shark, although I hadn't actually been chased. But you know, you've, you've seen the shark. You're sitting in the middle of the Indian Ocean with crystal clear water. There is no sweeter sound or feeling than cracking open a can of Coke and having a drink like that. So, to this day, it's my still my, my one of my most one of my favourite experiences um, was downing a, a, a fizzy, and as I say, it was it should be flat, but I had a fizzy Coke in the middle of uh, or just towards the end of the rotness swim. So the great thing is with, with some of these long distance swims is provided you find something that is yummy and, and high in sugar uh, and, uh, and, and won't make you sick, uh, you can eat just about anything when you're swimming. But that is one of the great things. You're burning a lot of calories and well, any you put on is probably helping you stay warm anyway. So that's probably a good thing. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's my working... That's my working theory. Um, <laughs> if, I, if, if my wife says I've, I've eaten too much for dinner, I say, well, it's all part of the training. Yeah, I'm an athlete. It's all insulation. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You'll have to pick exactly. some, you have to pick some appropriately English or French soft drinks to have in the, in the channel. Yes. Uh, there's iron brew, but I guess that's Scottish. <laughs> um, I don't know what, what else there is. And literally got iron in it, doesn't it? Or maybe not anymore. I don't know. Shavings of the Orange Bridge. That was the old. The old rumor was there's a bridge that goes over. There's an orange bridge that goes over some body of water in Scotland, and they said it, it has the shavings of those. So maybe, maybe I'll give that a shot. But um, yeah, there's um, and I, I know. Look, the, the French. I, I know the French are famous for various fizzy drinks that they make. Um, perhaps they're better enjoyed at the end of the swim, though. That's right. You're going to have a good time, although. I mean, as I understand it, you've pretty much got to jump straight back on the boat and go back to England, don't you? Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. We um, I actually, I, I, I swam the English Channel as part of a relay, so it's not it's nowhere near the same experience um, as doing it solo. Um, I imagine because I haven't done it solo yet. Um, but um, we I swam with a group of six, and uh, we, we we made it. Um, uh, I think it was about eleven o'clock at night and uh, one of the swimmers in our group was the lucky swimmer that got to swim into to, to shore and it was a euphoric moment when we realised we'd finished uh, 
but then as soon as it was it was done, it was over. So yeah, I think you you, you basically just you finish and you've got to head straight back. There's 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 no uh, there's no enjoying the finer things and the finer things of French <laughs> Oh, that's great that you've had a like a taste of it. You you have some uh, knowledge of what of what's to come. So that was was that when you, you were living in England? Yeah, I, I was in England. Um, uh, I think it was about two thousand and I think it was two thousand and twelve, maybe twenty no two thousand thirteen. I, I, I all the all the years blend into one. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and and it was a that that was actually it was that experience. I, a, a group of us um, I was studying over there at the time. And a group of my friends that I was studying with, we um, we, we we decided to pick this thing to do, and um, that was when I actually started getting into open water swimming for the first time. Um, there was a, a lake nearby that we did a lot of training in, and we went down to the sea a few times to do some uh, qualifying swims and some training swims. And that's when I really began to get into the open water swimming, and, and began to realise that as as fun as it is following the black line up and down um it's 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 much better doing it in an open body of water so um that was that was quite an experience and we were very lucky uh, i should say and and one of the one of the uh, points that's uh, always caused me some concern uh, in my in my hopes to to eventually swim the channel solo is that the the conditions we had on the day when i did the relay were some of the best conditions I think we, we could have ever had. I think it was the start as the hottest day of the year in England. Um, our biggest enemy was, it was uh, sunburn and, and, and getting too hot on the boat and the water was glassy the whole way. So I had, we had quite a fun experience, quite a good experience. Um, and so from, from that point of view, I, I, I would like to think I know what to expect, but I don't think anything can properly prepare you for doing it yeah. until you've done it yourself. And this was before the butterfly days too. So this you did it freestyle. Yeah, this, this was yeah, this was back in my uh, my my wild freestyle years. <laughs> but but an, but a but a, a, a relay is only an hour at a time. So I I, I only swam three one hour legs, um, including once in the dark, which was good fun. I must say, uh, I, I don't think I don't think anybody else enjoyed swimming in the dark as much as I did. I thought it was good fun, particularly in the English Channel. There's there's nothing that's going to get you there except maybe the old French warship. <laughs> Russian submarine or something. Back when, when COVID first hit, a few people suggested, oh, I should apply for an exemption. To, to go and do it because you know I was I was close training wise um, but one of the real problems early on in COVID of course was the quarantine and mm. you know, having to go over a quarantine come back quarantine and and when you swim the channel you, I had a two week window so what, what would have been a two week trip suddenly was going to become a uh, what a, a six week trip so um, it's good that we can travel again now um, uh, uh when exactly I'll take advantage of that remains to be seen. Yeah. Hopefully it's 2024. Yes, adding a month of quarantine wouldn't be cheap either. It's, a, it's an expensive exercise, uh, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, the channel itself already is a... It, it's, look, it's not, it's not, the, it's not the, the most expensive, but it's not the cheapest endeavour. You've also got yourself a pilot. Um, 
you've got to also do the training as well. So you've got to sign yourself up for a, for a squad, uh, and then you've you've got to get the airfares and um, uh, do all of that. So it's uh, it's uh, in addition to the years, there's also the the um, the monetary side of the equation. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Uh, well, hopefully, you get to do it in 2024. I think it'll be amazing. I hope so too. I really do. Um, um, but uh, one thing I've, you know, I came to terms with this some time ago when I realised that I wasn't going to be able to do it, um, you know, in, in 2020. Despite, I mean, at that stage, I'd been, I'd really been training in earnest for, probably for about two years at that point, um, and for that, probably had two, two and a half, three years of of less earnest but still decent training um, and then have it all sort of ripped away for reasons completely beyond your control. I mean, if I'd injured myself and, and couldn't swim for that reason, I think I would have felt better. But yeah. um, the fact that it was, um, you know, initially the fact that it was something completely out of my control and something, you know, something, you know, once in a hundred years event, um, something straight out of a sci-fi movie almost, um, it, that took a lot of that, that took a lot of um, getting used to, but one 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 point that helped me come to terms with it is I, I I went onto Wikipedia and I looked at the English Channel, and there's a bit that says you know how old the English Channel is, and it's like thousands and thousands and eons of years old, so it's not going anywhere. That's true. Um, it, 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 it'll still be there in 2024, and if not in 24, then 2025. Um, it may have been a tongue-in-cheek comment, but one of my squad mates suggested to me that with, with kids, I, I might want to reassess thinking about doing it in 2030. I hope not, but it'll still be there, <laughs> and um, there, there's, no, there's no rush to get to it. But I'd much rather conquer it sooner rather than later. Well, I mean, ocean swimming is a sport that, I mean, it, it probably helps to be younger, but it doesn't hurt you that much to be a bit older. Oh, certainly not. In fact, I'll say um, the the... I think possibly one of the best swimmers in Sydney. He, he's part of my squad, um, Dean Summers. Yeah. Now he he he's just announced that he's he's going to be swimming. He he he's done. I think he's done six of the Ocean Seven. I think the the only one he hasn't done is the one in Japan, um, which is notoriously difficult to simply even get a run at. But 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 you know Dean Dean's no spring spring chicken but he's done some incredible things. And I think the next thing he's got planned to do is swimming from Newcastle to Sydney, which is you know, 60 miles plus. Um, I don't know. I don't know a young, there's not a young swimmer in my squad that would, would dare even attempt that. So um, I, I think uh, it, in Dean's case, definitely, but hopefully for the rest of us, it's a skill where, and, and, a, and a sport where one gets better with age. I, I just saw that on Facebook, I think. He has a Facebook site about that um, Newcastle to Sydney swim. Amazing. Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. And, and, oh, oh, yeah. and also, I've got to say, the Facebook page, the illustration for it is badass. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's fantastic. Uh, it, it, the 60-miler, it really is fantastic. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, I don't think it's a swim that's ever been done before. Um, and, uh, yeah, it will be quite an extraordinary swim to watch. And I'm really looking forward to actually watching it because one of the, one of the great things with the, the open water swim community and with, with Vlad swim and, and others I know is when, when you know somebody who's off swimming the English channel or Manhattan or, or, or Catalina, or which, whichever swim it is, 
uh, everybody, you know, they'll, they'll get a tracker and everybody will be logged in following their progress, usually overnight. And you'll be checking Facebook to see how they're going. And I'm really looking forward to, to Dean doing that Zoom and watching him do it and, um, and, and sort of virtually seeing, um, seeing the tracker make its way all the way from Newcastle to Sydney. So you, um, age is definitely no barrier. Are you tempted to then do that, to become the first person to do it butterfly? No, not at all. <laughs> not in the slightest. I, I, I was actually, I was born in, I was born in Newcastle. Uh, and I left when I was maybe six, uh, six weeks old. I have no desire to go back and swim back to Sydney. No. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, uh, it's, it's just, that's just a completely, it's a complete, completely, uh, another league completely. Um, and, uh, look, I, I, I think, I, I think I've, I feel that I've, I've earned sufficient stripes having at least done a 20k butterfly swim, but if, if people doubt that and they insist <laughs> that I have to do a, a 60 mile swim, then well, I, you know, I have words that those, for those people that I don't think I would, I would mention on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you might have earned your stripes there, might have uh, done, done the, the requisite um, <laughs> pre-work. Oh, that's amazing. very much to Eli Ball for taking so much time to take us on his butterflying ocean swimming journey. If you'd like any more information on anything you heard today, if you'd like to follow Eli's journey towards the English channel, or simply read more about his accomplishments, get over to the website at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net. Thanks again. My name's Mark West. I'll catch you next time on The Pod.